Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Welcome back to Financial Coaches Network podcast. Uh, Emily, what are we talking about today? Today, we're going to be talking about the pros and cons of debt settlement companies. This is a question that comes up fairly often because every a client comes in with a seemingly overwhelming amount of debt and either they want to or the coach wants to say, can we just like pay somebody some amount of money to just handle it and make it go away? And sometimes yes, and maybe sometimes no. And let's talk about it. All right. So, so first, first question. Yeah, where do you want to start off? <laughs> what does a debt settlement company do? Uh, it depends. <laughs> it always depends. Yes. Um, so there are debt settlement companies. So, so the idea behind a debt settlement company is that the, a person, an expert, is going to come in and help with negotiating the debt on the person's behalf. Debt settlement companies kind of run the gamut from one end of the spectrum of pretty much scams, uh, where they will tell you to write letters to, or actually, no, they will get you to sign letters, which they will then send uh, to different places. And it's basically what you could have done on your own. And that's all that they will do. Um, oftentimes these companies will do it on a contingency style basis or just charge you a flat fee. Um, you know, and their goal is let's just send the letters off and see what happens type thing. Uh, not necessarily a scam for some people. It may be quite worthwhile to have someone write the letters. I pay lots of money to have lots of people <laughs> for me that I don't want to do. <laughs> right. But at the same time, you know, there's that type of, of scenario. All the way to people that will take a more proactive approach. There are both problematic versions of that and non-problematic versions of that. You know, one of the big problematic versions is many of them will, in order to encourage you, encourage the banks to negotiate, will encourage you to stop making payments. And that can have, give you a lot of negotiating power, but it can have uh, big issues for, for you. And then the the all the way up to uh, legal services. So there are legal services that will negotiate on your behalf, right? Debt settlement companies can sometimes border on the illegal practice of law, and so that can be a problem with debt with some debt settlement companies. And you've got the you know, and as we look toward you know the ultimate version of debt settlement, which is bankruptcy definitely requires a lawyer to be involved in that process. And you want to have a lawyer involved because it helps protect the person that's going through it um, and protect more of their assets or a larger percentage of their assets. 
Yeah. So those are the, that's kind of the spectrum of what they do. Everything from, you know, I'll copy and paste your name onto letters that I've pre-written all the way up to providing complete legal services for the process. So obviously if they are the kind of company that is just going to do things you could do for yourself or is outright scammy or is doing legal things that they don't actually have the law degree bar, et cetera, to back up. You don't want to work with them. We're going to go no pros, only cons. But what are the pros to, let's say you found a reputable debt settlement company, and maybe after this, we can get into how do you determine that. But let's say you found one, what are the pros and cons to working with a good company? Yeah, I mean, the pros are they do actually, you know, have the ability to negotiate better than you do. And a lot of that has to do with that's what they do every day. A lot of people think the think, well, you know, I've done this for myself. I've negotiated my own, you know, credit cards. And so therefore I can do it for other people. And I know what I'm talking about. And I liken that to I've had attorneys who believe that they are amazing negotiators in all circumstances because they negotiate multi-million dollar deals constantly. And then they buy a car and they get just fleeced with the car because I don't care how many multi-million dollar deals you've negotiated. The car dealership has negotiated more car purchases than you. That's that's (laughs) fair. And so if that's one of the big things that you buy that you get when you get a good debt debt settlement company is that they understand not just how to negotiate they understand the motivations they understand the strategic options available they understand how to read a bank's financial uh, reporting and as a result um be able to identify whether or not a particular deal would uh, improve their financials in a particular way that would reduce their reserve requirement or reduce their, um, re, you know, recover some reserve for uh, loan loss provision. All of those things are foreign to people who don't work in the banking industry, but they can be really helpful in understanding that nego- the negotiating power the person might have. That makes sense. There, I mean, more people sometimes have more negotiating power and also just the experience, like you were saying, of if you've done something a hundred times, you're going to be better at it than somebody who's done it five times. And that's just sort of the way things work. So what are the cons to working with a reputable debt settlement company? Again, leaving out there that there are no, we're, we're not going to work with the crappy ones. We're only going to work with a good one. So you find a good one. What what are the other things to keep in mind that might not be useful? I think one of the big things to keep in mind is that, you know, people tend to lean toward what they know. So you, you'll see this sometimes in the Facebook group that in our Facebook group that you can kind of tell how people have been educated around money based on their responses to debt. So there are some people who are in the Dave Ramsey camp who look at, you know, debt settlement as this wrong thing where you're not 
paying what you owe and what you agree to. And so talking from that perspective all the way to the other perspective of bankruptcy attorneys who are very keen for bankruptcy. And it's not to say that anyone's particularly wrong. I, I lean one direction versus the other, but it's not to say that anyone's particularly We wrong. all lean one direction rather yes. than the other. It depends. <laughs> but the debt settlement companies, their strategies and what they advise you to do are going to be driven by those philosophies. And so you may get a completely different strategy, a completely different strategy if you are working with one company versus another based on those underlying philosophies. Um, and I think that's one of the really important things kind of to understand when interviewing a debt settlement company is what are your underlying philosophies? What are your, right? Which directions do you lean? So you have an understanding of what types of strategies they're going to more likely recommend and which direction they're going to push. So that leads quite nicely into how do you find a good company? How do you tell if it's a good company? Obviously, having that discussion about the underlying values gets you part of the way there. But people can say really nice things that maybe aren't necessarily, not, they might not necessarily be not true but that aren't necessarily true either. So how do you determine if debt settlement company A is reputable or better than debt com settlement company B, et cetera? Yeah, and that's going to be the hard thing to do because yes. <laughs> there isn't a lot to work with on this. Uh, the debt settlement world is so fraught with problems that um, if you are offering credit counseling or debt settlement services, many states will uh, have legislation around it where it actually increases liability. Some of them have to be registered with the state. You know, certain states have registrations that are required um, because there is so much uh, problem, right? There is such, such an industry issue. Um, I, I think that one of the things that you want to look for is you want to look for connections to significant organizations. Mm. Um, you want to look for certifications that are positive. Um, you know, most CFPs, most CPAs, most attorneys uh, that are bar licensed aren't going to aren't going to necessarily threaten <laughs> their <laughs> certification um, with being with something that's like really problematic. I say most. Uh, <laughs> so um, but that, you know, that's one of the steps in the, in that direction. Um, I would start with asking them, you know, what is this process going to look like? What are the, what are the things that I'm going to have to do? And if, if they're very cagey about, well, you have mm -hmm. to pay us first, right? That's an issue. You know, if they, if they're very upfront, then make sure you're comfortable with the things that they're asking you to do or asking the person to do the client to do, right? Because you don't want to be in a position where you've signed all the pain, all the stuff, you've agreed to it, and then you're starting to do things that you're not personally comfortable with. Yeah. I know there are some nonprofit debt settlement companies. Mm -hmm. Does that matter? I mean, obviously that matters, but does that make it lean? Does that give them extra credibility? To some degree, it does. I, it sounds better. Like yeah. to me, saying, like, oh, yeah, it's a nonprofit. Oh, that sounds good because that means that they're not just 
policing you, theoretically. And there's some more restrictions around what nonprofits can and cannot do. But there's also a lot of nonprofits out there that do a lot of things that they don't, it doesn't seem like they should be able to do through loopholes or whatever. So does that actually impact? Yeah. And what I would say to that is, yes, it, it can impact it. Um, credit counseling services is probably the big one out there. And they are, that would be where I'd start is looking at them. They've been, they've been doing it for a long, long time. But the, the other place that I would go is again, looking for organizations that actually, that, that they're connected to, right? So just because they're a nonprofit doesn't necessarily mean that that's good. And when I say organizations, I mean like NEFI, right? The National Endowment for Financial Education. Um, the big ones. The huge ones, yeah. The, the, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau of the federal government, right? Uh, the ones that probably aren't going to be associated with anything not totally above board. Yeah. Um, and so looking for those types of, looking to see those types of connections not to, wow, this is a really fancy sounding thing, but no one's ever heard of it, right? <laughs> um, is going to be really, really helpful. And then the other thing that I would say is uh, talk to talk to your the collector at your mm. bank. Um, people have this tendency to think that collectors are a-holes in meat. Um, and when you're talking about most banks and most credit unions, the collections department are actually really, really nice. The problem is they deal with um, people who try to duck them constantly yeah. and lie to them. And so once you take yourself out of that box, they're really, really helpful. Because they're so excited that, wow, this person actually wants to work with us rather than. Well, it's not just call. that. It's also that they, you know, their ability to accomplish things becomes really, really, becomes really, really flexible, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, let's say that you used to owe $1,000 on the debt and now you owe, and your new payment is $1,000 a month and your new payment is $800 a month. In, once you start making that new payment, then the categorization of your account changes in the bank's books on their on their balance sheet that changing of the categorization of the account changes regulatorily uh things like their provision for loan loss and that those types of changes not just that one but a bunch of others actually make the bank more profitable it it allows them to transfer money from a prepaid expense back into the balance sheet as an asset. And so as we look at, at all of these things, they have a, an incentive to work it out with you, but they're not going to do it if, you, if they don't think that you'll actually adhere to the new rules. Right. Right. And so that's another big thing to, to think about is, you know, contacting the bank or the credit union directly and working with them and seeing if that's a possibility. And um, I assume bank also covers credit cards since credit cards yes. are generally issued by yep. banks. Issued by banks, yeah. Putting now, that clarifying point out there. Yeah. Doesn't mean that everyone's going to have a positive experience with every bank out there, right? But it is something to think about and look at. 
And that's something that you as the coach or client could do before reaching out to a debt settlement company. Yeah. The only question about this is you realize that there's a lot of laws related to this. Mm, good point. And if the debt is very old, if it was associated right. in any way with the bankruptcy, if it's associated with a divorce, if it's associated with um, you know, all sorts of different things, um, the, you, a lawyer may be the better step to go because you don't want to have a situation where actions that you've taken is another reason mm -hmm. I'm very careful with it. Change the statute of limitations from four days to seven years. Right. On them collecting on the debt or yeah. violate the terms of a divorce agreement. Yeah. Or cause the client to have unknowingly uh, admitted to a crime. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. So, so I, that I, might be another pro of a debt settlement company is then they have the liability and you don't. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and the. You know, and there is a point where you really want to think about, you know, is a lawyer appropriate for this as you mm -hmm. think, about, are there legal implications to some of these things? Because um, that could be very problematic for the client and very problematic for you. Right. Yeah. So is the initial step of reaching out to a debt settlement company something that the client does, something that you, the coach, do, something that you do together? How does... How does starting that process work? If you yeah, have evaluated, decided to go with it, do you go, okay, client, go talk to them, keep me posted? Yeah. Um, I would not be the first one to do it, meaning I would have the client reach out or reach out together. Mm -hmm. um, have the client start the initial conversations and make sure that they know that you're not going to talk until you mention to them that you're on the line and that you need them to mention it soon, right? Immediately in the conversation. Um, and then go forward and realize it. So, and yeah, so those are all factors that you want to really, really be aware of. Um, if there is uh, an attorney involved, you should not be involved in the conversations and you should never ask your client about the conversations. And if your client says they want to start telling you about it, say all I need to know is, are you happy, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to know anything else because uh, attorneys and clients have privilege and mm -hmm. anything said within that office can't come into a court case, civil or otherwise, or criminal, right? Until? Until what was said in that office is repeated outside of that office. And then uh, privilege has been waived. And as a result of privilege being waived, then we now have a situation where um, the client has increased liability. Is that something that a lawyer would tell the client? Good lawyers will, um, because they're experienced <laughs> lawyers will, because they've been burned by it before. Um, but they'll tell the client that. But the reality is that doesn't stop a client from forgetting that right. part of it or thinking, oh, it's no big deal. So it's a good thing to be aware of. Yeah. Like, oh, your attorney should have told you, you can't talk to me about this. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that you would be a good thing to ask is, you know, if you, if there's a, you have a client working with a debt settlement company, you know, is the person that you're talking with an attorney, right? Mm -hmm. And if they say yes, um, 
you know, encourage the client to ask them about, have a conversation with the attorney about privilege. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then don't tell you anything about it unless the conversation is, oh yeah, we don't have to worry about that because of X, Y, and Z. So feel free. Exactly. Which sounds like is unlikely, but possible. It's possible. It depends on the circumstances, you know, yeah. Anything yeah. that's inside the bankruptcy uh, filings, they're right. public records. So that information yeah. is at all, right? Uh, but the conversations behind what you filled out would be, and you'd want to be aware of that. Right. Yeah. Anything else to think about when considering a debt settlement company? Yeah, I'm trying to avoid going into <laughs> a conversation of that spectrum between bankruptcy is wonderful and uh you know the dave ramsey philosophy of you pay what you, you said we were going to owe this pay what you you do what you say you know that, that so that, should that. i write that down as an idea for a future live <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> a debate topic <laughs> so we'll do a new podcast episode style and have debate, debate. Time. yeah we could have debate time <laughs> um yeah I mean, those, we did we did already have a of a thunder down showdown about life insurance so that's like true. You take two about debt settlement. Yeah, and I think it's. I think it might actually be more appropriate to talk about bankruptcy in general. Yeah, bankruptcy might be a good overall. Future. Yeah, when do you consider bankruptcy? Pros and cons of bankruptcy. How do you find somebody reliable to help? All of that. Yeah. In the future. Be. We'll see you all next week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, it also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall there if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.